think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford, feeds it right side to Foley with a shot. Save, rebound, score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings. And royalty reigns again in the NHL. What's up, everyone? Uh, Ryan Sykes here for the Hockey Royalty Podcast, filling in for Scott Kindle today. Uh, got a good show for you planned anyway. Um, just going to jump right into it. Got my co-host riding shotgun with me, uh, Russell Morgan. How are we doing, Russell? Oh, man, I'm doing uh, really good. Six-game winning streak. Can't, uh, can't complain about that. You called it, too. <laughs> I wouldn't say I called it, but <laughs> I think the Kings were in kind of a desperate need of uh, stringing some win- wins together, so... Uh, it's good to see with the rough start that they had that the pieces are starting to come together. Yeah, I think what's more impressive is they're doing it without a couple of the key players in Drew Doughty and Sean Walker. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of like it's it's almost like the resiliency is starting to show with this team and um, some of the young players are stepping up, especially on the defensive side that we'll talk about. And yeah, the, even with the loss that you were kind of expecting the team to kind of, I guess, uh, keep falling, I guess, down in the standings with losing a player like Drew Doughty, but that obviously hasn't happened. So it's, it's a good thing to see. Yeah, exactly. So had a couple of big games already this week. Um, you know, on the road trip, we had the Leafs game. On, uh, on Monday night, it was a, the Kings won that 5-1 to one pretty soundly. Um, I guess what were, what were your, some, some of your initial uh, takeaways from that game? Vintage Jonathan Quick. I mean, what more? <laughs> what more he's back. Yeah, exactly. Jonathan's got his groove back. But um, yeah, I mean, it was just a ridiculous uh, showing from him. He, it should have been really five four or six five or something like that. But it, mm-hmm. he just was standing on his head pretty much the whole time. It just you see a lot of flashbacks of what he was during the Cup years. So, I mean, I've talked about it before. We've talked about it before how Cal Peterson was presumably the number one goalie coming into the season. But, I mean, with the way Jonathan Quick's been playing, kind of going back to a 1A, 1B situation with possibly he him taking the forefront at the moment. So, um, but, I mean, besides the goaltending, it's just good to see players like 
Trevor Moore get his first goal, especially coming back to Toronto. Carl Grundstrom helped out in that goal as well. And then Athens CU just with a, really an incredible play. I mean, mm-hmm. just kind of cut across the side and um, right toward the middle and straight over uh, Jack Campbell's shoulder. So that was a nice goal. But um, it was just a, all in all a good win, good win for the team. Yeah, I think for me it was uh, impressive to see them kind of not let John Tavares his goal um, and, and you know the the Toronto faithful um, get back into it. You know the, it was two to one at that point, and it looked like it could have gone either way. Philip Deneau gets a goal at the thirteen fifty six mark. The second period, he has another in the third period, and Kempe gets a uh, empty netter. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was just to see them respond uh, to the Leafs' first goal of the game. Yeah, especially for a team like the Leafs. I mean, as soon as I saw that that first goal, Tavares scored go in, and I think it was 2-1 to one at the time, I was thinking, oh, man, here come the Leafs. Like, yeah. this is the team they are. They can just score three or four goals in the blink of an eye. I mean, with it's it's I will say it's kind of funny because a lot of their offense has been almost from just the four players. and. Leaf media, I guess, and Leaf fans have called it the core four, <laughs> which is kind of, I mean, it sounds like a boy band name, but it, I don't know. It's just, it's funny because that's where all, all their offense has been coming from. Marner, Matthews, uh, I think Nylander and, and Tavares have been the only ones scoring for their team. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, to go back to the game, it's just when you saw that goal go in for Tavares, it just kind of like, I thought, okay, here comes the avalanche scoring. It's just, what can the Kings do to weather that storm? But it when you have players like Blake Lazad and Carl Grundstrom who have actually been playing really well can kind of keep that energy going and keep that momentum on the forecheck going, they can kind of stymie some of that um, offensive output that would be brought on from a team like the Maple Leafs when they come and score and then just how they can bounce back from a score against them, the Kings. Yeah, and I think, you know, the we got the stats in front of me. The Kings won 59% of the faceoffs in that game. Uh, Philip Deneau is at 64%. Blake Lazat, 75%. Yeah. Um, Kapari was at 50 and Kopitar was at 67. So it was just good to see them kind of uh, uh, win those draws and keep the puck away from the Leafs. I mean, they went over three on the power play. And, um, you know, overall, over the last three games, they're one for their last 13. But those, those uh, other stats, we'll call them, kind of uh, go by the wayside, you know, when they're winning. Yeah, exactly. You don't really talk too much about the faltering power play when you're winning six games in a row. But it will, I mean, it will become an issue at some point Mm -hmm. if you're not able to score power play goals. I mean, you you lose a player like Drew Doughty, obviously it's going to hamper the power play output. And then with now Victor Arvidsson, who's been playing on the first power play unit, that's also going to hamper it as well. Um, Kale Clegg's been okay on the power play. Uh, Arthur Kaliev's kind of bailed him out with the goals that he's had on the power play. And, and I think Rasmus Kapari had a power play goal the other day as well. So mm-hmm. the power play will be something that needs to be fixed or kind of just try to get more out of it, I guess, in the coming coming games. But, I mean, like like I said, though, just with the way they're playing in six games in a row, it's just something you can't complain about. Yeah, and then on top of it, they lose Walker, who was on their second power play unit. So it's just kind of like... They got Matt Roy quarterback in the power play. And like you said, uh, Clay <laughs> yeah. uh, on the second power play. So, I mean, they're kind of, uh, they're making it work with what they have, but I mean, eventually, like, like you noted, uh, they're going to have to get some production from the power play because 
you know, last year they also had a six game winning streak and then kind of all fell mm -hmm. off a cliff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of a, like, I, I mentioned it last night. It's like an eerie feeling. It's like, just, <laughs> I was like, man, it, they won, when they won three games in a row, I'm like, man, this is kind of seemingly like last season where they lost Roy and Walker and then they won six in a row. And then I was like, well, I, we'll see if they win six in a row. And sure enough, they've won six in a row. And it's like, wow. Okay. Now it's really similar to what last year was. Hopefully they doesn't really repeat the, the finish from last season, but it's, it's, it's been, it's just been after the way they started, it's just been great to see the, them get off the schneid and put six wins together. Yeah. One, five and one start. Now they're seven, five and one. So um, it's interesting to see some of like uh, the sharks and the ducks kind of hanging around too, you know, maybe California hockey's back yeah, uh, yeah. sooner than everyone thought, but you know, Jumping back into play, you know, Kings don't get any rest. They head to Montreal after beating Toronto. Um, face the Habs, who are three and ten coming into the game. Um, obviously, Philip Deneau's old team. Kings were looking for the sweep. Uh, ben Chirac gets the opens the scoring for Montreal in the first period. Um, just kind of a, a weird play in front of the net of just repeated chances for the Canadians, mm -hmm. and it's just like. Uh, you know, when I was watching it, I was like, how did that not go in? How did that not go in? How did <laughs> yeah. that not go in? Okay, that one went in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're kind of just expecting it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, I think I think it was a little bit of a, a rough period for Olimata, I guess you could say. And he, I think he was on the ice for maybe both of the goals. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. But um, but yeah, that first period, the first 20 minutes was a little rough for him. He, had, he was on the ice for that first goal, and then he had – um, some pretty rough turnovers, but it's it's good to see what the Kings do when they're scored on first. Is they still they still fight back and they still continue that forecheck. I mean, when you have a players like uh, Dano and I follow with the way they're playing right now, it's just man, that's just that's a line that's just keep on that just keeps on going, just keeps on going every every time they're on the ice, and you can see they're getting the minutes are getting more and more. And now with Athanasiu on that line, it was kind of like a big question mark that Kings fans had. It's like okay, well. Why are you changing up a line with Kempe, Dano, and I follow that's been so productive? And you add Athanasiu, what's that going to do? Well, at first, when I first saw it, I was like, okay, that actually kind of makes sense to me because Athanasiu has always been a finisher. He's a goal mm -hmm. scorer. That's what he does. Yeah. Kempe, Kempe's always kind of had a little bit of problems when it comes to finishing. And I think his career on ice shooting percentage is like 6%. And Andreas Athanasius is like over eight. So when you add a player like Athanasius, we've seen exactly what he can do. And you give him the puck and open ice, he's got speed. He can drive to the net and create chances by himself. And that's exactly what we've seen in the last few games. And um, he's, I think he has, he has points in all three games he's been in. And then we saw um, some production coming in from the Habs game as well. And that Denault line just, it, it looks great and looks great. Yeah, and I think Athens Hugh, I'm trying to look it up faster than uh, I can speak, but I think he has, yeah, a goal and three assists in his first three games back. So, I mean, he's just kind of plugged in and helped that second line continue to provide secondary scoring to take a lot of the pressure off um, Andre Kopitar in that top line, especially with Victor Arvidsson out. Um, yeah. I guess one of the more uh, underrated stories nationally maybe not so much for kings fans is the kind of the rise of alex i follow it's uh, <laughs> got is a point per player game point per game player excuse me sorry <laughs> so, yeah, um, five times fast. yeah uh you know um 
just taking it to another level playing with uh, Philip Deneau, um this season. He had eight shots on goal last night, uh, had a sixth goal of the season. It just, I mean, he's just, he's uh, on another level right now. It's, it's ridiculous really what he's been doing. And it's, it's kind of funny. It's like now, I mean, you kind of see what he's been doing when he kind of gets away from Kopitar. Maybe Kopitar was holding him back a little bit. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I don't want to throw that out there. But no, but the, no, I mean, the Deno I follow um, pairing has just been incredible to watch. I mean, it's it's almost like there's the two really similar players almost, too, yeah. which is kind of crazy. It's Deno and I follow are four checkers. They they play a full 200-foot game, and and that full 200 game and, and that game in the defensive zone is now starting to um, pay off, pay dividends with their offensive production. So, I mean, and it's just not even just the dirty goals that IFL has been scoring. That goal he had last night, it was just a really nice shot coming down the wing just six seconds into the period. So mm-hmm. um, with Deneau winning faceoffs and you have IFL hunting for those pucks and now Andreas Athanasiu is just contributing more offensively in his first couple of games back. It's just been a fun line to watch. Yeah, and IFL's goal was the fastest um, to start a period in franchise history. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make a little history there in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, four million dollars for the next four years. Man, that, I know that... it's looking like a bargain of a contract. And you know, oh, every, coming into the season, everyone was like, "Well, you know, the Alex, I have follow and Philip no line. They're not going to score any goals, but they're also not going to give up any goals either." But exactly, and that's kind of what, <laughs> and that's kind of what we expected coming into the season. But that's been, I mean, it's been half true. But now it's the offensive production's there. Which has been great. And coming in, Dino only had five goals last season, and now he's what well, I think he's at three now already. Early in the part, in the early parts of the season. So, I will ask, like I want to say to you, aren't these the two type of players that Team Canada and Team USA need for the Olympics? I mean, that's exactly what I mean. When you yeah. can have Phil Dino going up against a player like Austin Matthews on Team USA. Why wouldn't you have that on a team? You know he's going to win faceoffs. You know he's going to play defense. He's a perfect penalty kill type player. And that's the same thing for Alex Hayafalo. These are players that you need to have on the Olympic team. And I think the Olympic committee for each one of those countries really needs to take a hard look at those players and, and see about bringing them over to Beijing. Yeah, Dino's pretty good already at shutting down Leafs players. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. You need, I mean, it's, it's just... You, you always get these Olympic teams that are just full of superstar talent. I mean, yeah, you would go back to like Team USA basketball that one year where they lost to like Argentina or whatever, and it was just full of superstars that just like, yeah, they're they're great at scoring and individual plays, but they don't play a full game, and that, mm-hmm. that's exactly what Dano and IFL do. And I w- would be totally surprised if they aren't given a look at potentially being on the roster come February. Yeah, no, that'd be awesome to see, you know, more of the merrier if the Kings can send more people over there. So um, I guess through the first 13 games, you know, we've kind of danced around it a little bit, but um, who have been kind of maybe your three biggest surprise players of the season? I think for number one, for me, it's got to be Jonathan Quick. I mean, I don't think really anybody expected this kind of play from him Um to start the year uh, last season. I mean, just the last couple of years, he's been kind of up and down and maybe that's a little bit attributed to the defense that's playing in front of him. But I mean, right. even now, so you see 
the the saves he's making is really reminiscent of those early cup years. So he's mm-hmm. making those the splits are coming back. He's standing on his head. The glove looks good. He's just really seen pucks really well, and that's been that's been a great um, thing to have for Kings, especially on these back to back road games. So now you have Jonathan Quick you can trot out there. He's been playing really well, and Cal Peterson who when he can play up to his, his potential or what he's been before. I mean, that's just a great tandem to have in that. And you got to look at it as being one of the better NHL tandems right now across the league, just the way they've been playing. Um, as far as a second player, I think you got to look at maybe Tobias Bjornfoot, um, just okay. his offensive production, the way it's, that he's been playing um, since uh, Sean Walker and Drew Doughty went out. He's stepped up more, and you're starting to notice him more um, below the opponent's red line, which has been really good to see. He's he's activating more from the from the point. He's being more productive uh, in the box score. So that's another player I will say. Um, but I mean, I think the biggest surprise it's just it's just obvious. But I think it's just I follow. It's just mm-hmm. the way he's been producing offensively. Yeah, yeah, we we know the type of the game he is with the forecheck and everything like that. But now that we're starting to see him scoring more and be give more of a presence on box scores. It's just been, I don't want to. It's it's been a little bit of a surprise to me, I and mean, we we always kind of thought of him as kind of a scorer, but now that he's actually, what he's got, how many points in seven, ten points in the last seven games? It's just a ridiculous yeah. pace. Yeah, I mean, uh, I like yours, uh, quick, obviously, and um, you know, Cal Peterson had a good quote last week that says, you know, he's at his best game when Quickie's at his best, so. I love kind of that friendly competition. You know, you see it over in Edmonton too, or Edmonton too uh, with uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl, you know, mm-hmm. uh, trying to outscore each other. You know, it just obviously bodes well for a team when you have sort of that internal uh, friendly competition to, to make each other play at their highest level. So uh, Cal played very well last night. He had that big save. I think with like six minutes left right after Montreal scored, it looked like uh, – the Habs were about to take the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he had another one just in like the dying seconds of regulation that to send it to overtime. So uh, two huge goals that, that stood out for me from Cal Peterson as far as that came. Uh, back to the surprises, though, I would add Arthur Kaliev to that. Um, pre uh, Before he was moved down to the fourth line with Blake Lazat. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I mean, Blake Lazat's done a great job of drawing penalties this year. I think he knows he leads the league in drawing penalties. Mm-hmm. I love the effort that he gives. Um, I just don't know. Arthur Kelly just doesn't seem like he's in a position where he can uh, produce offensively down there on the fourth line. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So, um, let's see what happens. But, I mean, uh, <laughs> turn right around tomorrow, and Kings are playing the 3-8-1 and one Ottawa Senators. Um no Tim Stutzla, though, and no Quentin Byfield, so we'll have to wait a little bit longer on that. Uh, I know, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> that debut. So, But some notes for you and for the listeners. You know, Senators won the, the last two meetings, include, including, uh, you know, almost two years to the date, 3-2 uh, to two on November 7, 2019, before everything kind of went to hell in a handbasket at the turn of the calendar. <laughs> um, but, you know, coming into this one this year, uh, Ottawa is 23rd on the power play, 28th on the penalty kill, 24th on the faceoff, 28th in goals force per game, and 30th in goals allowed. So, I mean, uh, obviously this game probably favors the Kings. You know, they're riding a six-game win streak. Uh, 
Um, Ottawa's not doing so hot. I mean, they obviously still have Drake Batherson and Brady Kachuk. I think they have some COVID uh, issues right now too. Yeah, they do. Um, you know, Matt Murray's not playing too well mm-hmm. uh, right now. He's got a 310 GAA and 897 save percentage, which um, so. But, you know, it's always tough to win on the road, so we'll see what happens there. I mean, obviously, I'd love to see him get uh, the seventh seventh win in a row. Do you have any kind of initial thoughts on the on the game? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who starts in net. I think if, if – I guess the, the pattern keeps going, it'll probably be Jonathan Quick um, getting another turn. But, um, yeah, like, like you mentioned, with all those stats, Ottawa's kind of still in the middle of a rebuild. Um, I think Eric Brandstrom might make a debut, or he, he might have played last night. I can't remember, but I saw his name floating around there. That oh, was a yeah. Player, yeah, that was a player that was, um, the Senators got in the Eric Carlson deal. He's supposed to be a really uh, high-end um, defenseman. But look for Thomas Shabbat. He's one of their best players. Eats a lot of minutes on the back end, almost like a Drew Doughty type player for them that's been um, kind of still kind of young and growing into the game. He's been, he's been looking really good. But, yeah, the way the Kings are playing and um, – how everything's looking right now. I mean, you don't really see a reason why they can't win this game too. Um, they've been, I think they've been the underdogs in terms of a betting standpoint the last two games, but I wouldn't be surprised if they are the favorites uh, coming into this one and, and grab that seventh game, seventh win in a row would be the second winning streak. I since I think since the end of the 2020 uh, shortened season. So that, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. And you touched on it as well, but it would be interesting to see if, um, you know, who starts in net for, uh, you know, for the Kings, because they've generally, as you noted, they've been kind of alternating. Jonathan Quick did get the back-to-back at the end of October. I wouldn't mind seeing Cal Peterson get a back-to-back just to see what he can do mm-hmm. um, in that scenario. I mean, I think we saw it like one or two times last year. Um, but, you know, I guess at the same time, why mess with the system you have? You know, it's just more of my preference. <laughs> yeah, it's working, anything. right? I mean, if you just keep flipping, I mean, maybe that's something that as a goaltender, you're like thinking mentally like, okay, well, I'm Jonathan, like, say if you're Cal Peterson, Jonathan, Jonathan's going to get this next game and then I'll get the game after and then he'll get the game and I'll get the game after. I guess from a mental standpoint, it's almost like a, a starting pitcher in baseball. It's like, you know when you're yeah. going to be in the game, you know how to prepare and everything like that. So, I mean, it's it's working right now. So, like you said, why why if it's if it ain't broken, why fix it? So, keep going. Yeah, go back to the so, Jonathan Quick and see what he can do. So Jonathan Quick's gonna start every five days. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I mean, it's it'll be it'll be interesting come uh, trade deadline what they do with Quick. Uh, I was thinking about that when we started the show. You know, yeah. he's got one year left on his deal after this year. You know, it's funny because I think someone mentioned <laughs> it to me on Twitter. It's like, you know, Leaf fans are watching that game thinking, ooh, I wonder what we can get for Jonathan Quick uh, come trade deadline. But if, right. the, if the Kings are still playoff contenders, I don't, I don't see a reason why they can't keep him around. Just see if he can uh, live up to that old form of this. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure I'm sure Quick would like to stick around and see if the Kings can make some noise in the playoffs. Um, you know, obviously, if you were traded, you'd probably go to a contender anyway. But mm-hmm. um, so yeah, the final game of the road trip will be on uh, Saturday against the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, Saturday. Mm-hmm. My dates all mixed up. Um, <clears throat> so we've obviously already seen the Winnipeg Jets this year, lost three to two to them at Staples Center back on October 28th. Um, Kyle Connor's just been kind of 
going nuts for them over there. He's got nine goals, eight assists for 17 points. Um, such a I guess player. any, yeah. Any, uh, initial thoughts on that matchup? Yeah, that'll be a tough one for the Kings. Uh, I've mentioned it with Scotty in our last one that, uh, I thought the King, the Kings seem almost like they'd be a really good home team just because of the matchups right now. Um, the top two lines are still really only kind of like the offensive kind of producing lines. Um, so when you have teams that are able to put up their top units against players like Blake Lazat and Rasmus Bari and Arthur Kaliev, we kind of see what they can do. But in the last few games, that really hasn't come to fruition. It's almost been like the opposite. Blake Lazat's been keeping pucks or Blake Lazat's line has been keeping pucks in the offensive zone, kind of hemming in those uh, top units for mm-hmm. other teams. So, hey, it, it's it, it's kind of tough because it's almost like the, the goalies have kind of stolen the last two games for the Kings. I mean, obviously, the, the, they won against the Leafs 5-1, to one, so there was some offensive production there. But, it, I mean, without a lot of the saves that Jonathan Quick made, like I said, it could have been like 6-5 or 5-4, or who knows. Yeah. But so I think with the Jets game, that'll be a little bit more of a tough game because they are looking pretty good. So, um, but with the way the home stand or the, the road trip is going now, I was half expecting them to get maybe two out of four, win two out of four. <laughs> and they've already done that. They've already won two yep. games. So any other points they can get from this road trip is just a bonus. Yeah, it's a bonus. And obviously you'd prefer, uh, you'd hope they're not looking ahead to Saturday's matchup and overlooking Ottawa. You know, I, yeah. I hope they're not doing that because then you could fall right into a two-game losing streak heading back home. Uh, question for you, though. I mean, Kings will have to send somebody back down when Arvidsson comes back, right? And Gabe Velarde? Mm-hmm. Who are you sending down? Yeah, there's a lot. Of, I'm glad you asked that because there's a <laughs> lot of roster questions still coming. It's just like, I feel like we're still in the preseason mode because you have all these players that – Arvidsson's off uh, on COVID. Velarde's on COVID. Um, Anderson is skating with the team. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? He could be back soon. Uh, and then Quentin Byfield starting his off-season act- or off-ice activities now. So he's getting close. So I think come Christmas, the best Christmas present that the Kings could give to their fans is a, maybe a line of Arvidsson, Byfield, Anderson. Maybe keep Kempe up with Kopitar and Brown. And you have I follow with Deneau and Athanasiu. But yeah, as far as who might get sent down, it's just it sucks to say, but I think Arthur Kaliev and Rasmus Kupari could possibly be on the way down. It's just it's just like you don't want to have Arthur Kaliev just keep playing those fourth line minutes. He's he's really not doing much down there. It's yeah. just, it's it's tough because we've seen his shot. I mean, you give him that opportunity. He's like a home run hitter. If he gets space, he can score, and that's just what he does. But he. When you play in those fourth line minutes, you're not really looking for a lot of space. You're just looking to kind of grind shifts and keep pucks deep and just really kind of trying to get keep the energy up, I guess, for the next couple yeah. lines. So, yeah, it, it's more like uh, they're more checking lines, if anything. Yeah, exactly, and, and that's kind of what. Um, and then they've been doing a good job at that the last few games. But so if so, I guess if you, you're just counting it in the top of my head, you have Arvidsson, Anderson. Um, Velarde, and then let's just count. Let's just put Byfield in there just for whatever. Just So you got four players there that could possibly be taken in or inserted back into the lineup. So TJ Tynan's still on the roster, so that's a spot. He'll most likely get sent back down when that comes. Um, yeah. I think Kaliev will be one. I think Kapari will be one. And I think maybe Velarde will probably be another one that gets sent back down. I think he just needs a little bit more of a confidence boost. I think the last couple of games and even parts of the last season have kind of hampered him a little bit. And 
it's been it's kind of been a rough start for him this season too. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I mean, your choices make uh, they're they're logical. Um, it'd be tough to to see Kapari and Kalia go back down. Um, but yeah, I get it. And I think Luke made up a, a good point in his article today. It wouldn't be a bad idea, uh, to your point, to send Velarde down, but also to get him comfortable playing on the wing. Yeah. Um, you know, idea. similar to how Anaheim sent Zegers back down to be a center mm-hmm. uh, last year. So, I mean, we all know the Kings are so deep up the middle that some of these players are going to have to move to the wing. I think Velarde can be put into a a position to succeed uh, if he has some of those defensive responsibilities taken off of him and he can just focus on shooting and getting in the right spot to make those shots. Um, But yeah, I mean, he, he, for the second year in a row, he's just, he'll need kind of a a confidence booster. You know, he came in really confident. um, You could see it in his body language that he was refreshed and I'm not so sure that he's there anymore. God, it just sucks because that line of Anderson, Kachev, and Blardy was so fun to watch yeah. in the preseason, and now it's just I know none of them are playing right now. I mean, Anderson obviously <laughs> with the injury, but then you have Kachev and Blardy obviously with what they're going got going on. But what uh, I want to ask you, what do you what do you think of Kempe on the first line? Do you think he stays there, or do you think Oof. that's just because Arvidsson's out? I think yeah, oh, that's a good question. I think for now. He obviously stays there with Arvidsson out long term. I don't know. I mean, he has goals in each of the last four games. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, comfortable up there, and he had the uh, had the game winner uh, uh, last night. Excuse me, getting my days all mixed up. Um, but yeah, he's looked really good. I liked how he cycled it all the way around the net and came back to the top, and then just kind of <laughs> skated around. <laughs> Skated around that guy and then just beat uh, beat uh, Jake Allen to win it. Yeah, that was that was pretty. <laughs> it was really pretty. It's, it's, it's weird with Kempe because he has that ability to use his speed on the outside, and he just seems like he, he only uses it when he wants to. I'm like, man, just why don't you just – you can see his speed sometimes through the neutral zone too and get those really nice zone entries. You just want to see that more and more from him. So I, I, I was kind of hoping that – playing alongside Kopitar and Brown wouldn't really bring him back to me. It, it always seems like he'd, he'd always be more, he'd thrive more in an alpha type role. So he never, he never really um, was that productive with Kopitar, but now, I mean, four goals and four straight game or goals in four straight games, you're starting to see some really good play out of Adrian Kempe. And I don't want to jinx it because the, yeah. we always know about how streaky, track he, yes, yeah. how streaky he is, but I mean, we're in one of those Adrian Kempe streaks right now, and just hopefully it lasts longer than uh, what we've seen in prior years. But I, I, I'm telling you, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Arvidsson maybe play with like, like a Byfield when he comes back. I think that would be a pretty good pairing. Yeah, I mean they have to do some lineup shuffling. It's going to be interesting too because let's say Arvidsson goes back to the top line, Kempe goes back to the second line, Athanasiu then drops down to the third line. You know, does his production now take a massive hit? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you got to find that kind of happy medium where all your players are uh, producing or at least getting some meaningful contributions, you know, mm-hmm. and not into like a Kaliev where uh, you're not really set up to succeed. I mean, no offense to his line mates or anything, but it's just the truth. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's, it's the Kings are, are in a, it's one of those good problems, I guess you can say, because now they're playing so well without really good players in the lineup. 
but now it's like, what do you do when those really good players come back in Atlanta? It's, 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 it's a good problem to have. But it is it, there is still a lot of question marks in terms of lineup manipulation and what goes on when those players come back. Um, Arvidsson, I think, I think it would be more suited maybe going back with Kopitar. But, man, um, an Arvidsson-Byfield pairing just sounds pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, one thing's for sure, Kent Bay's got to stop taking some of these silly penalties. I think <laughs> someone mentioned on Twitter, he has as many penalty minutes as uh, Lemieux, but he doesn't fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's those offensive zone penalties, they're just so much more glaring, I guess, and obvious yeah. to people's eyes. They're, they're not really those kind of like, okay, well, I'm trying to prevent a goal here. He's just like a careless stick that goes up in someone's face or gets stuck in someone's legs and trips them up. It's, those are a little bit more glaring than they would uh, those defensive zone penalties that you take for like a holding or interference or something like that. But yeah, if he's able to limit those and just play like a good four checking game alongside Kopitar, we know what Kopitar is able to do. Um, and Brown, um, I think Brown just kind of like a little bit more of a slump. He's had a, I wouldn't say rough yeah. chance, but he's a little bit more like you want to see a little bit more out of him. I think I will say that that hit that he had in Suzuki, that was really cool. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, Unfortunately, I mean, I was watching the game on mute. I had my three-month-old daughter sleeping in the corner. So I'm, uh, I'm uh, at the mercy of uh, just video kind of right now. Uh-huh. So I, uh, I tweeted it out. and like, no, oh, it just blew up some player. And everyone mentioned or everyone tweets to me like, yeah, it was Suzuki. Suzuki's. It's like, okay, I don't, I didn't hear what they said. <laughs> like, I, I can't hear it. <laughs> like, I didn't see the number either, you know. And uh, I did see something on Twitter, though, uh, Jim Fox tweeted out, have you noticed that the video and audio have not really been synced? Yeah. Once I actually went back and heard the call, I heard kind of their reaction before the hit actually happened. Mm-hmm. It is, I think it's certain. It's weird because it's certain camera angles that they get or certain cameras. Like, whenever they zoom in, or whenever they get a the angle, like being like closer to the ice, that is synced up more with the audio than it is with just the normal play by play camera, which is it's. I've noticed that since last season too, but okay. I, yeah, just I mean, yeah, last season was maybe understandable because they were doing it remotely, but they're in the building now. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't know, but um. So let's dive First into these problems. listener questions. Yeah, exactly. Let's <laughs> dive into these listener questions, and we'll kind of wrap it up. Um, we got a few of them to tackle here. So start with, uh, Riker Jordan. It's at Riker 22. Um, tell me what you think, uh, Russ, do you think Turcotte is going to have a breakout second half of the season in the AHL? Do you see him as a guy that will be a to know with a little more offensive upside? Yeah. I've always seen, uh, Turcotte as kind of like that Jonathan Taves kind of player. I think we've yeah. talked to Tony Ferrari about that uh, on a podcast, uh, last season, um, but yeah, I mean, Jonathan Taves and Phil, Philip Deneau are somewhat, they're, they're really similar players They play full 200 foot games. They're not really flashy, but they make a lot of nice plays. And that's kind of what Alex Turcotte is. Um, he hasn't really been that productive in, on the Ontario rain, but that rain train is just keep on rolling. So he's playing on a team that's winning a lot of games and what more could you ask for? That's the type of player he is that he's going to drive play and keep that offensive production kind of going for his line mates and, uh, as far as maybe having a breakout season or in the second half of the year, I think he's having a really good first half. I, it's it's not as more of a presence on the box score, but he's making a lot of nice plays. Um, you know, our our rain correspondent Joe, he's he's been noticing him too as well. So I think uh, Turcotte could have a, a 
a really good full season, I guess, for the rain and maybe even possibly get a call up um, to the Kings if there are any uh, spots for him open, I guess. Yeah, I've noticed he's kind of a slow starter. Um, he's he's played much better lately, but I mean, he was the same way at the World Juniors last year. Yeah, and really, like the last three games, he got really hot, and he obviously had the golden goal for Team USA. Guy is so good in front of the net, and I think the King, Kings need more players like that. I mean, uh, they just they just have a lot of uh, like one and done chances with no traffic in front of the net, and a guy like Turcotte who can maybe deflect it or just uh, be there for rebounds. I think. A, Kings of they'll value his uh, his presence once he's eventually called up. Yeah, I think that's why he and Kaliev have always had a really good pairing because they play such like opposite games where Kaliev is more of the I can snipe it from wherever and throw a heavy shot on net, and then Turkos just like okay, I'll clean up whatever doesn't go in, and that's kind of what they've always been. We saw that uh, last year in the uh, World Junior Championships, but man, yeah, I, I can't wait for this season, this year's World Junior Championships. It's gonna be so fun. I know. Watch. I mean, Brock yes. Faber is gonna be on Team USA. I'm sure he'll probably even wear a letter. You have Casper Simon Tyval, um, Brant Clark on Canada, and man, it's just the World Junior Championships. One of my favorite events of the of the year, and it's been fun to watch the last couple seasons. We'll see if USA could recapture the gold. Yeah, for sure. So moving along to our next question, kind of a fun one. Uh, it's from Raquel at seven underscore rocks. Which of the prospects would be a good to buy a jersey of, or should I wait on that purchase? Ooh, I think uh, we can't go wrong with Byfield. I, I, don't, I don't think I think I, when I when I think about that, I think about players that aren't going to go anywhere in terms of like being yeah. moved in trades. Uh, Byfield's probably obviously not going to go anywhere. I, I would assume Kaliev is also yeah. in that grouping. I mean, Alex Turcott his name's always been kind of floating around just because of where the Kings are in terms of their center prospects. Um, but yeah, I mean, Clint Byfield, Arthur Kaliev can't go wrong with either one of those. Uh, I'm a big Samuel Fagmo fan, but uh, I mean, he's kind of had a, some, a somewhat of a slow start, but who knows? It's just, there's just so many <laughs> prospects that you could really pick from, but yeah, right really now, know who, buy them all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> buy them all. Why not? You just don't, you just don't know who's going to stick, but they're all good. They're all good. <laughs> I think my only concern would be, uh, like, people that are down in the Ontario rain, like a Turcotte, is he actually going to wear, like, 15? Yeah, Or is he going to wear 39 or what have you? You know, you saw it with uh, – you've seen it with Clay, Velarde, um, Austin Wagner. You know, mm-hmm. It goes on. Mm-hmm. It changed numbers. So – I'm waiting for my Mark uh, Chromiak jersey. That's what I'm waiting for. Yeah, there you go. Number eight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. He'll take over Drew Daddy, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Not like that's going to be retired or anything. Uh, okay, so another one from actually Sarah uh, from her Locked On uh, LA Kings account. For any longtime IFALO fans slash defenders, how good does it feel to be right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Man, it's – yeah, I, I – I, what more else can you say about him? He's just been one of the better players in hockey and all the NHL. I know with uh, the scoring streak that Troy Terry is going on with the Anaheim Ducks, I mean, Alex Iafalos, I mean, if he, if that wasn't going on, I think a lot of people would be talking about Iafalo. I mean, McJesus is doing whatever he does. It's just obvious he'll, he'll yeah. do that every time he plays. He steps the sky's blue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah great. <laughs> Grass is green, yeah. But, I mean, with Alex Iafalo, it's, it's just kind of – I don't want to say it's unexpected, but it's almost like a surprise almost through his, his offensive production this year. And, and I, I'll just keep saying it. That contract is just going to look even better and better with each uh, each goal that he scores. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we've already said it before, but uh, he's on pace to score 36 goals this year. Mm-hmm. Um, just a really outstanding player. You know, I started uh, covering the Kings full-time, or quote-unquote full-time, um, but, you know, writing about them kind of full-time uh, two or three years ago. Alex Ifala was one of my favorite players. So, yes, it does feel good to be right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, there you go. It's, it's funny because I think someone mentioned this on Twitter too. It's like you're starting to see some semblance of uh, – Team, the players that almost kind of play similar games to the 2012 Kings. So you got, uh, yeah. I think I follow was uh, compared to Justin Williams. You have Phil mm-hmm. know who's got kind of like that Mike Richards kind of style. Um, Absolutely. Brent, yeah. Brent Clark will be coming up. Who can be that Drew Doughty point by field can be the Kopitar. So you have a, a lot of that kind of roster building starting to see, and you're starting to see it take shape a little bit. And so it's looking really good from a Kings fan standpoint. Absolutely. Um, okay, so we got four from Richard here. <laughs> should just invite, just let's just invite him we should, on. Next yeah, we we'll have him on. <laughs> All right, so we'll run through these quick uh, and we'll wrap up. When guys are healthy and spots are snatched up on the big club, who gets sent down? I think we kind of already touched on that mm-hmm. with the rain dominating. I wouldn't want to make changes to their lineup, but you can't keep everyone up with the Kings. Yeah, so I think you and I both kind of touched on that. Good candidates for that are Kapari, Kaliev, as, as unfortunate as that is. I don't think the Kings are going to put Grunstrom on waivers. Yeah, I think it's uh, just a just an asset management. You really got to look at it. You don't want to lose a player like Carl Grunstrom, who's actually been playing really well on waivers. And I think a player like that would snatched up right away. So, yeah, I think it's just more asset management. You got to look at that. Yeah, and then his next one, um, it's actually a really good question. You know, how do you feel about the Kings' current one streak missing tons of players? Do we end up making any trades at the deadline if we're winning games with the current personnel? Um, and then uh, it's kind of a three-parter. Where did all the fans go that were complaining about the losing streak? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're kind of they're not there anymore. And I was I was making those jo- jokes for the Shane Wright uh, sweepstakes, but yeah, no. I'll, I'll throw those back in the in the draft folders. But um, let's go back on his, his first. Uh, what, what, was, what was the first one again? Just basically, how do you feel about the how- Kings' current winning streak, missing all these players? Yeah, it's you feel great. Uh, I mean, what more? What more can you say? It's just you just hope that they can continue this uh, level of play when all the players come back. But I mean, I don't see any reason why you could, because when you're missing players like Victor Arvidsson and, and Lee Anderson, who's been playing really well, and then Quentin Byfield is going to make an impact sooner, sooner rather than later. I mean, you just kind of see this team kind of being able to take that next step. And when you can have players like this, that like Carl Grundstrom and Brendan Lemieux and and Blake Lozat, those depth players that are also playing really good, you kind of you're you're really happy with what you can see. But in terms of making a trade at the trade deadline, I don't know. If, I mean, I don't. I just don't see any rental players coming in. Yeah, I still think there's still maybe a move to be made on defensively. I mean, just because Oli Mata has just been having a rough couple of games. I mean, Kale Clegg, he's still he's he's making he's making good plays, but he's still kind of yeah. he's he's kind of playing a little bit up. I guess higher above his level than he has been. Um, so I, if there is a trade to be made, I can definitely see it on the on the back end. Yeah, and I, I'll say I've been very pleased with Alex Edler thus far. You know, in preseason oh, yeah. he got he got blown by a few times by a couple of faster skaters, but he's been he's been you know everything that the the left side has needed and more right now. Yeah, he didn't play that many preseason games. I think I think he only played like two two of them. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, like you mentioned, the early part of the season, he was kind of still kind of getting used to 
playing with the team. It's, it's a new team for him. He's only been with the Canucks his whole career. And now he's starting to show that type of leadership that you were kind of hoping to see that almost kind of like Rob Scuderi, Willie Mitchell type, type of leadership where he's just willing to block any type of shots. And he's, he's yeah. always really just kind of focused on the defensive side of the game, which is which has been great for a team or a defensive group that's really young. Yeah, and I think one of the notes coming in or uh, on him coming into the season was, you know, his ability to play. Uh, yeah, okay, I, got, I got stats in front of me. It just kind of wowed me. Um, one of the things coming into the season was, you know, is he going to be able to play back-to-backs given his age? Yeah. Last night against the Canadians, eight block shots. <laughs> wow. That's that's <laughs> ridiculous. And then, then that one power play, too, where he was just – I think he got like three or four just on that one where – yeah. He was just stepping in front of Mike Hoffman, of all people, just willing to take whatever was given to him. So, I mean, that's the type of player that the Kings kind of needed last season on the on the left side because when you had a player like Mikey Anderson, Tobias Burnford, who were still in their rookie years, you had a, so, a lot of youth on that side. So now with Edler in the mix, who's just, like I said, willing to put his body in front of harm's way whenever he sees mm-hmm. fit. It's just it's been a great, a great component to add on the defensive group. Yeah, and the last one, then we'll close. Um, you know, it's actually it's another good question. I love Richard's questions. Um, if the Kings are winning these games without doubt, is it safe to assume that his minutes can be lowered when he comes back so he can provide more on both ends of the ice? Yeah, that is a good question. I, I could definitely see that happening. Um, I mean, but who's going to tell Drew Doughty that he's going to limit his minutes? <laughs> I was going to say, you know, who, I don't think Drew Doughty is going to let Drew Doughty lower yeah. his minutes. He's like, you, you want me to take this next shift off? Yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> that's yeah, not that's... happening. <laughs> no, but, I, I mean, seriously, as long as he's healthy and uh, good to go, I don't see any reduction in his minutes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, with like we've talked about with the power play, his presence has definitely been felt or his, his – I mean, his, yeah. his absence has been felt uh, in terms of that um, standpoint, but um, it's just it'll be it'll be it'll be great to have him back. I will say. I mean, when you can kind of get those uh, pairings back, I think I think we'll p- kind of see what the pairings a lot similar to what they were um, before he left, and I think Clegg will take uh, Sean Walker's spot uh, being paired with Alex Edler. So then you have Dowdy with Anderson and Bjornfoot back with Roy. I think that's a really good mix uh, to have in a, a good uh, group of six defenders. Yep, I agree. And, I mean, just to kind of close here, the Kings are 20th in power play with 17.6%. I think they were like 18 point something uh, when everything settled last year. So um, kind of around that same mark, you'd like to see it improve a little bit. But like we said at the top of the show, that stuff goes kind of unnoticed when you're winning. But yeah. eventually it will matter. <laughs> exactly. So. All right. I just want to thank everyone for listening. Um, I'm your host, Ryan Sykes. Alongside me, Russell Morgan. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Go Kings.